Alec Murdoch takes the stand. Do you believe him? Brian Koberger allegedly has pictures of one of his alleged victims on his phone. That's weird and creepy. Sam Bankman-Fried gets a superseding indictment, which means some more charges. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below. Hit that little bell so you get notifications of when we go live or put up new content. And remember, you can follow us on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Now, so here's what you need to do. Go to crimetalksearch.com, sign up for a background subscription service today. While you have that service, you can perform as many background searches on anyone in the United States that you desire. A report is literally generated while you wait. It is emailed to you, and you will have that information about the person that you are trying to research. Do they have a criminal history? Do they have liens against them? Do they have civil judgments? Are they married? Are they divorced? Are they on one of those public registries? That's right. Go to crimetalksearch.com. You'll be happy you did. All right, let's go ahead and open the record for the docket of February 23rd, 2023. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Alex Murdoch has taken the stand. Now, early on, Jim Griffin asked Mr. Murdoch if he was at the kennels the night that Paul and Maggie were killed. He stated he was. Did you lie to SLED, you know, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, specifically to Agent Owen and Deputy Laura Rutland on the night of June 7th and told them that you stayed at the house after dinner? I did lie to them, Mr. Murdoch answered. I'm so sorry that I did that. I'm so sorry to my son, Buster. I'm so sorry to Grandpa and Papa T. I'm sorry to brother and my family. And most of all, I'm sorry to Mags and Paul. I would never do anything intentional that hurt either one of them. So, as you know, obviously jurors have heard several witnesses identify uh, different outfits Alec Murdoch uh, changed into the day that Maggie and Paul were killed. And when Maggie and Paul Murdoch went to the uh, Moselle Kennels, the night they were killed as well. Now, Alex Murdoch said that he didn't go with them at first, but he testified that he was tired after riding around the property with Paul that day and had just showered. It was still hot that evening, he said, so he was slow to join them. He eventually drove down to the kennels in a golf cart a few minutes after Paul and Maggie left the house, according to his testimony. Well, that's where it gets interesting, okay? It's always risky when you put a defendant on the stand. You think, hey, this guy's an attorney. He should know how to answer questions. Only answer the question that you're asked. Don't answer the question that you wanna answer and just drone on. Um, Alex Murdoch is failing miserably at that. The first couple of questions were very good. Did you kill Paul and Maggie on June 7th of 2021? No, I did not. And then we got into all kinds of stuff about dog collars and just a bunch of minutia that doesn't matter and the prosecution let him go. But here's the gist of the testimony. I'm a horrible, horrible person. I've stolen lots of money from my friends, law partners, clients. I lied straight to their face to them and uh, had no problem stealing their money. But trust me, ladies and gentlemen, today I am telling you the truth. That's what Alec Murdoch wants to say. On cross-examination, before they finished, really what the prosecutor did was go through all the financial crimes. I get it. But he's not on trial for financial crimes. It goes directly to his credibility, which 
is always at issue, particularly with any defendant when they testify. But it still hasn't gone to the greater issue of was he the one that pulled the trigger? Because that's what they charged. Alec Murdoch has repeatedly said that he stole the money, he lied to these people, and he is sorry for it. Okay, I get it. Move on, prosecutor. Let's get to the good stuff. But if I had to generally sum up the direct and cross-examination so far for Alec Murdoch, how would I best describe it? Hold on one second. We have the model of Crime Talk 1. This is Alec Murdoch testifying. This is Alec Murdoch after just a few questions. Oh my gosh, he's going down. Oh my gosh, he's going down. Big ball of flames crashed and burned. Terrible. Terrible. The defense had all but conceded that Alec Murdoch stole money, lied, terrible person. Did they have reasonable doubt without Alec Murdoch testifying? I guess we'll never know. But I bet they would like to have that decision back. Understand it was Alec Murdoch's decision. We'll wait and see. It resumes tomorrow, so come watch it right here. 7.30 Mountain Time, 9.30 East Coast Time. We will be bringing it to you. And I only have one little court appearance thing as via WebEx tomorrow, so I should be able to be able to join you rather quickly. The defense is almost done. They have two experts they want to call. They wanted to call them out of order and break up the cross-examination, but the, the, the prosecution didn't agree to do that. And the judge said, I'm not going to make the prosecution do that. So tomorrow morning, this should all be over by, well, I think the prosecutor said he about, had about four more hours of cross-examination. So maybe we'll have... Uh, Closing arguments on Monday. Let's see. Next on the docket, Brian Koberger. You know, the guy accused of that quadruple murder in Idaho. Well, apparently he has in his possession on his phone images of one of his alleged female victims. Hmm. Apparently it has been searched by the police and now it has been released not to the public, but leaked to the public. So apparently those gag orders don't exactly work as good as the judge says they do. And unless, of course, somebody cracks down on it, these leaks will continue, which is great because we think this should all be made public anyway. Anyway, as we know, Mr. Koberger, he's 28. He's the um, PhD in criminology. And all of a sudden, you know, yes, he gets arrested for uh, this crime, quadruple murder. And sure enough, he has more than one photograph of one of the four murdered students. Uh, and apparently it shows that he was paying attention to her. However, the police did not identify which girl was the subject of the picture. And um, because we don't know that yet, obviously, and they haven't released it. But we don't know if it's uh, Kaylee Gonsalves, Madison Mogan, or Zaina Kernodal, uh, who obviously were killed along with Ethan Shapin back on November 13th of 2022. Now, it's also not clear if Koberger had taken these images pictures of this uh, individual himself or whether they were downloaded from the individual's social media account or whether they were taken before or after the quadruple slain. Investigators obviously have remained tight-lipped over the potential motive in the slains, but they revealed in the affidavit, obviously, that he had visited the area in the home there in Moscow several times. He is even alleged to have returned to the scene of the crime about 9 a.m. on November 13th, just hours after police believe that he committed the quadruple homicides. 
Now, the documents say that the uh, criminal justice graduate stalked the property at least 12 times per the affidavit. His phone was taken um, shortly after his arrest by SWAT officers when they arrested him at his parents' home in Pennsylvania, where the FBI officials saw him taking out the trash wearing surgical gloves, because that's normal. Anyway, Koberger's uh, uh, apparently tracked to the area of the home in the months leading up to the desk by his phone, but officials have yet to confirm how he became aware of the students in the first place. Next on the docket, yes, the guy that everybody loves to hate, Sam Bankman-Fried, also known as SBF because he's too cool to use his hyphenated name. Well, guess what he got? He got himself a superseding indictment. What is a superseding indictment, you may ask? Well, it's an indictment where there's been changes. When you have an indictment, you can't just file a motion with the court saying, hey, judge, we want to add more charges. You have to go back to the grand jury and have the grand jury reindict, supersede. It replaces the indictment that existed before, except in Colorado once where they had two indictments and they superseded, but they said it really wasn't a superseding indictment, but don't worry. Um, why worry about those types of formalities? I know, I know, I, I get it. Anyway, Sam Bankman-Fried, he got a superseding indictment. He doesn't have issues uh, like the case that I uh, defended once. Anyway, so the federal prosecutors unveiled this new indictment against uh, SBF, charging uh, the FTX founder with additional crimes, including making detailed allegations that he engaged in conduct that led to the exchange that he had set up um, and its ultimate collapse. Uh, now the 30-year-old Mr. Bankman-Fried has 12 counts versus the eight. The descriptions in the indictment include uh, new charges of conspiracy to operate an unlicensed money transmitting business and conspiracy to commit bank fraud. Prosecutors say that uh, since 2019, billions of dollars in FTX customers' funds were illegally used for capital for Mr. Bankman-Fried's crypto investment, crypto investment firm, Almeida Research. And in promotion of FTX, Mr. Freed falsely presented himself as a trustworthy, law-abiding figure in the cryptocurrency industry whose company had adopted principles to ensure customers and investors had protections, per the prosecution, obviously. Contrary to Mr. Bankman-Fried's promises to FTX customers that the exchange would protect their interests and segregate their assets, no, Mr. Bankman-Fried routinely tapped FTX customers' assets to provide interest-free capital for his and Almeida's private expenditures, and in the process exposed FTX customers to massive undisclosed risks, according to the indictment. Mr. Bankman-Fried lied to officials at the U.S. Bank about the true nature of the account that held FTX customer deposits to circumvent extensive due diligence and licensing requirements, as the indictment alleges. Almeida regularly took money from customers' funds to finance trades and expenses, as well as venture investments, according to the indictment. Mr. Bankman-Fried is also accused of directing the use of Almeida funds for a straw political donation scheme that masked the true source of tens of millions of dollars to contributions to Democrats and Republicans. He had previously been charged with violating campaign finance laws, but the new indictment makes detailed allegations about the purpose of those donations to gain political influence in Washington. Can you imagine money, Washington influence? <laughs> Who's ever heard of such a crazy thing? Who thought that would actually work?
influence over the federal policy of cryptocurrency. <laughs> Donate a few bucks, suddenly you get a message uh, with somebody or you get a meeting with somebody. Wow, that's interesting. Anyway, the Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office uh, first charged Mr. Freed weeks after the collapse of FTX back in November when the exchange was unable to meet a surge in customer withdrawals. That's also known as a run on the bank, basically, ladies and gentlemen. And he was extradited from the Bahamas in December and has been under home confinement in California while awaiting trial, where he basically blatantly uh, fails to comply with the terms and conditions of his bond. Why he is even on bond is beyond me, but so be it. Mr. Bankman-Fried has also, uh, while on bond, spoken to the media. He started a Substack newsletter and posted statements on Twitter in an effort to defend himself from the allegations. And he has acknowledged he's um, made mistakes, but said no funds were stolen and that he hadn't run Alameda for years. He blamed Caroline Ellison, the former chief executive of Alameda, that provided a little bit different account when she pled guilty in December to fraud charges and other offenses. And during her plea hearing, she said that her role at Almeida, and she reported to Mr. Bankman-Fried, adding that the two of them worked with others to provide misleading financial statements to lenders. Gary Wang, the former FTX chief technology officer, has also pled guilty to fraud charges. So obviously, everybody is lying, except Mr. Sam Bankman-Fried, who's the alleged mastermind, who I, I still don't get it. Um, I've said this before, and I'll probably get in trouble for it, but a lot of these financial crimes, uh, there should be a defense of greed. Um, the victims were all greedy, and uh, they deserve what they got, okay? I know people lost money. I get it. I get it. But you're betting on crypto, okay? I've got some crypto. It's a bet. It's gone down. I didn't risk my entire life savings on crypto, you know, if that's the case, I got some tulips uh, that you may want to buy down the road, right? Anyway, Sam Bankman-Fried, he's going to prison. He just hasn't come to that realization yet, but he needs to get there quickly. Next on the docket, our dumb criminal of the day. Please meet Robert Humberston of Sarasota, Florida. He's been sentenced to six years in federal prison for possessing a firearm as a convicted felon. Yes, that is prohibited. Well, Mr. Humberson pled guilty on December 2nd of 2021. And according to documents uh, in March of 2021, law enforcement officers recovered three firearms from a felon during a search of his by his probation officer. The felon was prohibited from possessing firearms and informed the officer that they had purchased all three firearms from Mr. Humberson as recently as the January. Uh, well, guess what? The felon showed the officers a series of Facebook messages where Humberson arranged for the sale of the firearm, according to law enforcement officers, as well as the search warrants for Mr. Humberson's Facebook account. The account contains several pictures of Mr. Humberson holding various firearms, along with numerous posts and messages relating to the sale of firearms. The officers discovered the chain of messages where Humberson agreed to sell the firearms to the felon. Um, anyway, tattoos in the photos also match those of Mr. Humberson. Okay, what have we said, ladies and gentlemen? If you're a felon, you can't possess a firearm. Two, you certainly then can't possess it to sell it to somebody else. Third, what have we said about cell phone messages 
messages, Facebook Messenger. Don't do it. And then to take photographs of the crime? Oh, my gosh. Mr. Hubberson, you are a dumb criminal of the day. Congratulations, you made it. But I bet you maybe would have done just about as good as on cross-examination as um, Alec Murdoch. Anyway, thanks for watching. Please join us tomorrow. Hopefully we'll get this trial wrapped up, at least the evidence, and then we can do closing arguments on Monday. All right, have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.